0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Rich Faye and today I'm joined once again by Samuel Luckhurst. Lovely to have you back Rich. It's lovely to be back and Tyrone are you as uh, fond to have me back?
1: I'm um, delirious to have you back Rich, absolutely delighted, it has made my Monday.
0: Oh, well, I'm absolutely honoured in the... I hope that you at home as well are going to enjoy this week's podcast. I hope it's more entertaining than the match at Old Trafford on Saturday night, at least. Um, 8 pm Saturday night. What more could you ask for? United won, West Brom nil, an absolute ball fest. But United won, and Samuel, I guess that the win at the weekend of West Brom will separate the fans. Either you're an optimist, and United have won against a scrappy opponent, and no matter what happens, they've got the three points. Or if you're a pessimist, it's More of the same, really, from United. But, you know, they had a tricky month, but it was tricky before the international break. They beat Everton. Now they've beaten West Brom. What do you think the mood is at Old Trafford at the moment? Uh, Looking at it objectively,
2: you can say they are just about on an upward curve. You look at the season so far, they're in the quarterfinals of a cup competition. They've won two of the three games in Europe and are still pretty well placed to qualify for, for that. And they've, they've won half their, their league games. So it's it's not as disastrous as it certainly seemed at one point or another. But it's not, it's not quite as black and white as that. But the fact of the matter is, in this surreal season, they've, they've won two games on the spin for the first time in the league. And they're actually above uh, City, which you know, I had to double, triple check that when... I was told that as, as Tottenham home did on their win on Saturday, but again looking at it objectively, the the perform the, the only good things about that win at the weekend were that United won, that they kept a clean sheet and that De Gea's form this season has, has been a lot better than it was last season. I think he's been pretty respectable so far. He's not been massively, in fact I don't think he's been you know solely blameworthy for any of the goals that he's conceded. A lot have gone past him, but He's not been directly culpable for any of them, I wouldn't say, and the save he made at nil-nil, and I think the timing of it, because it was just, it seemed like thirty seconds before United went up the other end and, and got the penalty that they won the game from. Uh, th- the importance of it was was accentuated by that, and I know Johnson made six saves, but the quantity of them didn't come close to the quality of De Gea's or the importance of it. So those were pretty much the only positives to come from. Uh, the game overall, and Solskjaer knew that. Afterwards, he said it it wasn't a step in the right direction as far as the performance was concerned. Uh, it, it's it's it was one of those games where I think a lot of supporters were probably glad that they that they couldn't go to. It was it really was that bad, and I think West Brom were quite unfortunate not to not to take anything from it. I mean, unfortunately, it was, it was one of those games that VAR was was the main talking point. I thought West Brom's penalty should have stood. I, certainly with United's penalty, it was a clear foul by Fred that the referee didn't give about five or six seconds before before the handball. But from then on, it was a penalty. viral or no VAR, that was a penalty as far as I was concerned. And I know Sam johnston has been carping on about being penalised, but every goalkeeper knows you can't come off your line. And he was a long, long way off his line. It was, it was just a little bit amateurish and naive of him to... Uh, to, to stray off his line and, and force the retake. So, uh, as I said, it's uh, it was unfortunate that it was one of those games that was just pretty much defined by VAR. Other than that, there was not really a lot to write home about.
0: No, I'm surprised you managed to speak for about that long, to be honest, Samuel, because you've given us all a recap for us who were fortunate enough to maybe miss the game on the weekend. I won't name names, but uh, I've watched the highlights. Let's put it that way. Um, Tyrone... Solskjaer's uh, objective at the start of the season was to close the gap on Man City. He's done that. Uh, The positive spins uh, everywhere you look at them from United. But uh, it feels hard to complain about a win when United won two in a row. I know it was against West Brom. But this is a West Brom side who, you know, they scored three goals against Chelsea in one half. They were only narrowly beaten, I think, by Tottenham, weren't they as well? It was a late goal. Maybe the table doesn't quite do them justice, although they are sort of the whipping boys down there at the bottom at the moment. But, do you think that it's too harsh to
1: be negative on United
0: after they have won, albeit in ugly circumstances?
1: No, not really. Um, I, I think if United want to reach the ambitions that, that Solskjaer has set forth, and then you need to be critical, win or not. And yes, it was a win and three points are all that matters. But, you know, it, it's about more than that in terms of, a long-term journey, it's only about results. When you're scrapping to stay up, or you're going for the title, United are doing neither of those. So it's about performances as much as results for them. And the performance wasn't very good again. So I think it's fair enough to to talk about it. I, I mean, I thought they were a bit lucky to get away with the penalty call that that went for them in terms of the the, uh, the VAR overruling um, Fernandez's challenge. I thought that was marginal, um, and it, it was just. It wasn't really a game to set the pulse racing, was it? And you do expect more against West Brom. I mean, they did have that good performance against Chelsea and with the three-all draw, but they were really poor at Fulham quite recently. Billich has been under big pressure and they they had some real chances there and and they gave it a real go. And the bigger concern is United's uh, approach going forward. I mean, they look, I've done a piece of lunch and they're so dependent on Fernandes at the moment. And they just, for me... I know we talk about the midfield every week, but the balance just isn't right there at the moment. And Their defence has improved a lot since that Tottenham game, but it's come at the cost of more progressive play through a midfield and, and that just means that Fernandez is the sole creative player in that entire team at the moment. So there's a lot resting on him to to produce the goals and the assists, which is a concern going forward. So Although it's a win and, and they, they need to take the three points and, and get back into that top four race, I think if they want to make progress, they need to be Judging our performance as well, which to be fair, Solskjaer was, and he did me after the game that the performance wasn't good enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I guess maybe the, the issue for United fans is that the manner of the performance and, and the victory was one we, we saw quite a lot last season anyway. And, you know, we've we become accustomed to United not being able to break down these signs. We saw when Fernandes arrived that there was a bit of a resurgence, but he soon got tired. United over dependent on him. Last season, their form dropped off, the performance levels did again. And like you said, Tyrone. It uh, has done again. But now there seems to be an obvious solution. Donny van der Beek's there on the bench. You've got Juan Mata if you want to play him in a more central position. We're recording this on the Monday afternoon, just after Solshaw's given his pre-match press conference for the Istanbul game. And Samuel, you were the one who asked Solskjaer at his press conference about the maybe over-alliance on Bruno Fernandes. And he insisted that you know Bruno would get rest and that he wanted to rotate his squad amid the packed fixture schedule. But United are, as Tyron said, still overly dependent on him.
2: They are. I think he scored all four of their winners in the league so far this season. And there have been a lot of games that one of those penalties, due to the importance of them, of Marcy's actual performance. I think I can't remember what game it was, it might have been have in the here game, there was a stat, was it like he'd given the ball away twenty-seven times, or it was something in that region. But that's part of his game. He is a risk taker, and I think he, it's it's worth the risk. You've seen his uh, his performances this calendar year. Uh, his goals return. I know twelve of those nineteen goals have been penalties, but his his influence goes way beyond that, and. In some ways, I think the, the amount of penalties, the sheer volume of penalties, United have have had do have, have masked how uh, how vital he's been to the team, and without him, they they wouldn't have got Champions League football last season. I think it's safe to say that, as as hypothetical as it is, but he has looked tired for quite some time now. Going back to the end of last season, where his performance level was questionable to say the least and he's not really had a rest I think other than the Everton game this season he's he's been very subpar in in most if not all of all of the league and and European matches that that he started in so he has to be managed carefully and also you have to factor in that this is this is probably going to be the first winter of football that he's he's had to contend with in his professional career because in the other leagues he's accustomed to having a break um the cold snap is, is is a very very precarious time for managers and and the players in terms of trying to keep the squads together, keeping players fit. So he he's going to have to be looked after. I think Basak Sahir is an obvious game for him to to sit out and to bring Van der Beek in. I know there's a fine line in terms of how Solskjaer goes about the rotation and the changes because of course you know he he does need to rotate, he does need to protect some players, but he also needs to ensure that United don't underestimate Basax here, particularly after they got beat by them three weeks ago and they were beaten with, with a team that when you looked at it, you thought, yeah, know, yeah, that that's a pretty logical side to, to go with and that seems good enough to beat them. So on the assumption that that game was an aberration, you'd still say, you know, go ahead, make five, six or seven changes because... That's needed and they've got the quality and depth in certain areas to to get away with that. And Van der Beek has to come into that, uh, into that thinking,
0: especially since he's still not started in the Premier League. Tyrone, you know, United have been eager to sort of reiterate that spending isn't always the solution to to these issues in the squad. And, you know, the fact is they bought Fernandez, they bought Van der Beek this year. United do have options in, in midfield. And, you know, if you were to look at United on paper, you'd probably say that midfield was their strongest area because there's been so many options and we've seen so many different sort of styles and setups even this season. Uh, for you going forward, how do you think United maybe one, become less dependent on Bruno Fernandes, and two, how do you think they, they tackle this issue, still struggling to break down teams like West Brom, who, you know, they weren't too troubled at the weekend and they, they just sort of enjoyed making United struggle and look for ideas in a way through?
1: I think there's two options, really. Um, I mean, you can probably get away with the midfield that they're playing. If they play two of Fred McTominay and Matic, then it only leaves... Fernandes, or whoever plays that role as, as the creative player. You, you can afford to do that if you're getting more from your fullbacks. backs can probably offer a bit more than Shaw once he's settled in. wan is getting better going forward. But I think United still need more from them. I would say the front three, if you consider Rashford, Greenwood and Marshall as the front three, they're, they're basically players who create something out of nothing rather than create chances for each other, I would say. So that means you need creativity from midfield or fullbacks. The other option is that they play only one Sort of traditional holding midfielder and play Van der Beek and Fernandes in the same team, but Solskjaer seemed reluctant to do that. And to be fair, when they do play only one holding midfielder, the defense gets exposed quite badly, as we saw in the at the start of the season when they conceded so many goals and were vulnerable to players running at them. So I, it's difficult to know exactly what the solution is going forward. I think one of those two things needs to happen. Though we sort of talk about Liverpool City as the benchmarks and. Liverpool have a workman like midfield, but probably the best attacking fullbacks in Europe, whereas City have more defensive fullbacks but play two number eights with one holding midfielder. So, City need to probably look at, uh, United rather, need to probably look at doing something like that. But at the moment, I don't think they have the personnel for, for either system to work. So, it, I don't think there's an easy solution as to where the creativity comes from.
0: No, and uh, speaking at his press conference today, um, Solskjaer sort of reiterated that. He said that the Everton game was almost the perfect sort of way to display the way that United are playing at the moment because he said they're not a team who just counterattacks. they're not a team who just sort of relies on crosses into the box they're not a team who breaks teams down he said they're a bit of everything and I guess while Solskjaer might look at that as a positive saying United have so many different assets to the game the fact that they don't have maybe one sort of stronghold and, and one sort of established way of playing is probably a bit de- detrimental at the moment. But Samuel, Istanbul at home on Tuesday night. That is a game United have to win. It's a game which could assure them almost of a place in a knockout stage of the Champions League. I know Solskjaer wasn't getting too drawn on that today and it will rely on on the result in the Leipzig versus PSG game. But, you know, United have no option other than to attack against Istanbul. So do you think it is almost the perfect opponent for United to prove that they are capable of, of bre- breaking down these smaller sides? Uh, well, they they really struggled at trying to break them
2: down a few weeks ago. Other than that late scramble, where McGuire, I think was it was it an own, it would have been an own goal or maybe a Maguire goal where it was cleared off the line. They they didn't really look like they were going to score in that second half, and that was that was maybe the apart from the manner of the goals, maybe the most alarming thing about United in that game was that they didn't actually look like scoring after. Uh, making it to one before half time, they'd more than enough time to salvage that game, be it via a draw or a win. So I suppose it's 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 good practice in essence, trying that um in, in, in Tuesday night's game, but they're they're just too inconsistent to really for anyone to really know truthfully what is a reliable gauge of this team. And I think that goes for most of the teams at the moment because this this upside down world of pandemic era football it's it's just so so strange and some teams just play unrecognisably from week to week. Um, Arsenal seemed like they they turned the corner with beating United and for the first time since two thousand six at Old Trafford and I think it was their first win at a big six side since January twenty fifteen and then of course they get Trounce three 0 by Aston Villa. And yesterday they were um they were grateful just to get a point at a team that were promoted from the championship not that long ago. So that that just gives you an idea of how variable um, a lot of teams' form is at the moment. And I think apart from maybe Liverpool, who, if what you see is what you get really, they are still, I'd say, the best team in the country, even though they're not top of the league at the moment. But the problem obviously Liverpool have is that they've got major injuries to contend with. And you wonder whether at some point they're going to come a cropper there. With United, they are just so inconsistent. I mean, Talking among ourselves today, on just just before the press conference, um, if 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 here win on Tuesday night and PSG beat Leipzig, all four teams are on six points in that group. And Paul Hurst at the time said to us, he said you wouldn't if United were in that situation, you wouldn't bat them to to beat PSG or Leipzig. But I, I probably would back them because when the pressure's on, they tend to pull one out of the bag, and I think they're. Champions League group form so far is a reflection of that that you've got they had a big game against PSG they were phenomenal in that game Um, they were clinical against RB Leipzig and just when you think they've got one foot in the knockout round they go and lose against a team who are still expected to receive the wooden spoon for the group so I think with United you you just don't know what you're going to get from from time to time and when the team dropped on Saturday as soon as you saw Matic in the team in which in what was a very risk aversive move and really unnecessary against a side like West Brom I think a lot of people suspected it was going to be a slog and it was a slog so I think they're still working out what what, what their identity is what the best way forward is and I'm I'm really not sure We're going to know that between now and the end of the season. I I even think that the absence of supporters, it it does have an impact. I know Solskjaer has overplayed it and some of the quotes he's come out with have have been derided. What he said about the Stretford end, scoring a goal for him and things like that. And I, I can understand why supporters might lament quotes like that. But I, I do think a lot of teams, without the presence of crowds, without the presence of their supporters, you you can't accurately gauge where they're at in their development. And that United aren't just the only side there; it's the, the same applies to Arsenal under Arteta, who has been much held in some quarters, um, and has and has won a trophy already, uh, less than a year into managing them. But you look at where they are in the Premier League table, and you look at their Premier League form this season. You think is is. It's actually the same coach. It's it's just a very very strange time, and the news coming through that you know crowds could be allowed back into stadiums next month is is most welcome because I, I think that normality is is needed just to get an exact measure of where these teams are at as well.
0: Yeah, that's the news that up to four thousand fans could be allowed into certain stadiums and outdoor events. When lockdown ends on December the second, I'm not sure four thousand fans in Old Trafford will make too much of a difference. But it's it's yeah. interesting what you said there, Samuel. And you know, United do seem to have lost that fear factor at home, and it's been amplified by the fact that they they've not had the supporters in the ground, and the fact that West Brom was the first home league winner of the season uh, sort of justified that. And the fact you know, Istanbul coming to Old Trafford, absolutely nothing to lose. The pressure is all on United. On Tuesday night, and Tyrone, we said it um, in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? That you know, if you look at United's next fixtures, it's probably the ones against PSG and Man City away, where you'd expect the better performances, and it's West Ham away, Southampton away, where you worry for United to uh, to probably slip up again, just because of the nature of the way which they do play. But in terms of Istanbul, look ahead to tomorrow. How many changes would you expect? How wholesale do you think social will go? Because in his press conference, as always, he, he alluded to this packed fixture schedule. He, he said how you know the players can't be playing every week, but there still seems to be like core undroppable players who are there every week. I'd be surprised if Maguire doesn't start. I'd even be a bit surprised if Fernandez doesn't start, even though Solskjaer insists that he needs a rest and Von der Beek seems so obvious to come in. But just how rogue do you think Solskjaer would go with his team tomorrow night?
1: Um, I think he'll make a few changes. Um personally I'd make probably five or six, maybe more. Um, I think United should still have enough to beat um, Basak Sahir at home, even though they lost away from home. I think they should have too much for them. Certainly Fernandes wouldn't be playing if it was up to me. Um, I mean, the, the, he's right, Ollie's right that the fixture schedule is absolutely relentless. I mean, they're going to play twice a week until January at the very least. So, you've got to be resting players and and we saw at the back end of last season just how, how tired United's players looked come the final weeks of the season. So, Need to be treated with caution. Um, the, the problem is, I guess, they kind of box themselves into a corner in this group. And that, you know, like someone says, they started brilliantly. And after two games, it, it looked like they were going to walk it. And, and they could be looking at a win tomorrow to secure qualification and maybe top spot. Instead, they kind of need a win tomorrow just to reassert control of the group. So they have kind of put themselves in a bit of a corner with it. But I still think if you make five or six changes, United should still be good enough to be beating... Istanbul, Basak are here at home. So I think that's, that's what Solskjaer will do. And I think that's what he has to do. I mean, Southampton is the, is the much tougher game this week. And, you know, United's league form needs to improve. They're still only 10th, I think, if they are above City. So they need to be picking up points and, and picking up wins. So I, I think you've got to make probably half a team's worth of changes at least.
0: Yeah, like you said, Tyrone, I mean, it's always, always cliche, isn't it? But the table counts for absolutely nothing at this stage. Anyway. Being ahead of City uh, this early on in this season doesn't count for much, although Solskjaer might uh, play it to his advantage, particularly with the uh, the derby on the horizon next month. But Samuel, you've done the lines as well today saying that you know Dean Henderson... Um, looks likely to to start in goal. And Solskjaer was almost offended at the suggestion that Dean Henson could be playing for his future tomorrow night. You know, he seemed to suggest that Henson will get more than just a chance tomorrow night and in the League Cup next month. Uh, How realistic a chance do you think that is? Because like you said at the start of the podcast, David De Gea has been flawless. And until he makes an obvious error, which is his fault, um, it's going to be hard for Henson to get a place in that starting lineup no matter how well he plays and how well he's doing in training. And when De Gea did make major gaps last season, he never dropped him in the Premier League and he still
2: started three, uh, the three semi-finals. So uh, there's certainly a, a sense of loyalty Solskjaer has towards De Gea. And, and just looking at the games between Basak here and the Everton game in the League Cup, which I think is scheduled for like two days before Christmas, United have got seven games and they're all in the Premier League, all in the Champions League. And of course, if they're in need of positive results or wins. I mean, PSG game, of course, they, they're going to need to get something out of that um, that they won't have qualified after tonight. It, it could be do or die still in that Leipzig game in the last game. So you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, I suppose Sheffield United really is the one that screams out on, on December the 15th because at the moment they, they look in a, a real sorry state with no thanks to the fact that Henderson's back at United so that that's maybe the one that you look at it's it's one of three games in in 7 days in the Premier League uh, I know goalkeepers don't really need rests but it's an excuse to bring him into that game um and the fact that it's against Sheffield United I suppose is is purely coincidental but there's there's some you know there's something appropriate about that as well but with with Henderson I suspect he m- might have thought by now that he'd have been the the number one at United. It was it was going very very badly for De Gea last season, but he he has been jolted by Henderson coming in. He's he's made some very important saves. You look at the Newcastle game and the West Brom games, which are half of United's wins this season. He makes excellent saves with with both those games deadlocked at the time. He was superb, I thought, away at PSG as well. So he's United have got a response from him. I, I think he's he certainly. I think it's not. Uh, a disservice to, to him to, to say that he's one of the best keepers in the world at the moment, um, going off his current form. But the problem, of course, is that he has conceded a lot of goals and even his situation with Spain has um, is, is kind of like added to his woe this calendar year and that he's no longer the number one. Um, Enrique has finally dropped in there and, and I think it was Simon, the Atletico Bilbao keeper. Start of three games um, during the internationals this month, so it's it's difficult to really see Henderson ousting De Gea unless, as you say, De Gea makes a number of major errors, and he made major errors last season. And Solskjaer stood by him, perhaps because he just always saw Romero as a number two, whereas with Henderson, you do see him becoming ultimately a, a future number one at United. And as I said, just looking at the, the sequence of games to come beyond the basak here one and before the Everton game, just before Christmas. I think Sheffield United is the obvious one where he might make his Premier League debut. But, um, you know, g- g- goodness knows what situation United are in at that time and whether Soskiar feels compelled to-,
0: to stick by De Gea. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all pans out. And, you know, who knows what the who's going to be like at United in the that sort of period as well. There's six games between now and and that Sheffield United game. And as we've seen over the last two weeks anyway, that uh, you can go from a massive high to a massive low. You can go from Oli in to ollie out and nothing really changes. And, you know, who knows what to expect against Istanbul tomorrow night. But Tyrone, I'm hoping you have some sort of inkling because I'm going to ask you for your prediction now. United at home, here Tuesday night. I know they've got nothing to lose, but surely, surely United will be there.
1: Uh, no idea. Um, no. <laughs> do you want to do that for every game we predict? Because
0: it seems like a safe yeah, yeah. bet.
1: Can you just play that one? I'll just say it once and you play that one for every, uh, every the game. The Tyrone
0: Marshall soundboard yes, on, every, on everyone's Christmas list.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, United should um, United should have too much for them. But then me and Samuel both thought that against West Brom at the weekend and confidently predicted 3-0 wins. And that didn't quite come to, to pass. So... I mean, they're quite a defensive team, I think, Basak's are here really. I don't think they'll trouble United too much, but conversely, I think United might struggle to break them down. So, let's go for another another classic and a 1-0 win.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go for that, because like you said, they should have enough to beat them, but they should have had enough to beat them last time as well. So, there's no guarantees of this United side. Um, all you can guarantee is there will be some VAR drama United might benefit from it. There'll probably be a penalty. Who knows? He'll be on the pitch to take that. But uh, Samuel, yourself, would you go for a similar, maybe gritty United win, but a win nonetheless?
2: Yeah, it has all the makings of a, a not a little Galate-style 2-0 win from about nine years ago. Just, yeah, one, one that you remember for all the wrong reasons.
0: So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with 2-0. I think I'm going to go for an early Istanbul goal and the United to come back 3-1 or so. It'll be one all till about the 80th minute and then United will do what they, they tend to do and score a couple late on it. It looks a bit nicer. And all the tweets during the game saying Oli out slowly turned to positivity and United have probably broken another club record that they haven't done for 80 years or something. And You just don't know what to make of this United team. Every week there's a high, every week there's a low. I guess it keeps us busy anyway for now. And uh, Tyrone, Samuel, who knows what the mood will be later in the week when we return for the Manchester's Red podcast to preview that game against Southampton and pick the bones from the Champions League game this week. So thank you very much for joining us this week. A pleasure. Thank you. And thank you very much at home for listening in again. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you can. It really does help us all. And we will see you again next time.